This is a Pivotal Conversations podcast. Hello and welcome to the Girl Fit Method podcast. I'm your host, Natasha Wakefield, and I am here to help you take charge of your health, get empowered, and ultimately become the best version of yourself. Let's go. And welcome back to the Girl Fit Method podcast. Super excited to have Girl Fit Method client Julia on the podcast today. So Julia has had a history of a very unhealthy relationship with food and with exercise. Where she's at now is honestly so phenomenal. Her story is really, really powerful. And I know that a lot of you are still in the position that she was in like 12 years. 24 months ago. And so I think listening to this podcast is going to be very helpful. And I really hope that it will provide you all with some hope if you are stuck in a really unhealthy relationship with food that you can absolutely get out of it. And there is hope, but it does take hard work. So um, I'm super excited to bring you this episode. I am also going to be answering a listener question. So make sure to hang around for the end of the interview. All right, let's get stuck into it. Hello and welcome back to the Girl Fit Method podcast. So on today's episode, I have Girl Fit Method client, Julia. Hey, Julia, welcome. Hello, how are you doing? I'm really well. I'm very, very excited to have you on. We have tried to record this podcast episode a few times, haven't we? <laughs> and there's something that's yes, popped up. we have. On and top- finally, we're, yeah. we're here. Finally, we're doing it. We're here, which is really, really exciting. And um, I know that you're a really busy bee. Maybe we can jump straight in, like get the listeners to know a little bit more about you. What do you do? What are you studying? What does life look like for you at the moment? Absolutely. So I um, just graduated probably, oh gosh, two weeks ago from an accelerated nursing program at the University of Florida So I just finished that and I will be starting a job in October in Atlanta in the surgical ICU. So very exciting, Um, very quick, but yes. So yeah, it's a lot of big change, but I'm excited for it. But all all exciting stuff, like these really big changes, you're heading towards your goal career. What particular area are you really wanting to hone in on? Like what is the dream job for you after all of this? I think the dream job for me afterwards would be I probably want to take a year um, and work kind of in the hospital at the bedside. And then I think I want to go back and get my nurse practitioning degree eventually. So in like two years um, get that. And then, uh, whether it's kind of just do a private practice or, um, in the hospital, I'm not exactly sure yet, but I think that's definitely the goal. Ideally in pediatrics too. I love kids. Okay. Oh, look, you'll absolutely kill it. I have no doubt. And maybe we're going to touch on this a little bit in the episode where I guess like you are, a hard worker and you're a really high achiever as well. And I'm sure that that has definitely been prevalent in all aspects of your life. Let's go back to, I guess, young Julia. So I want to know when did you first start to become aware of your body? 
So I would probably say I was aware. I began actually. Okay. So let's, we'll go back to young high school, Julia. I was aware of my body in a way where I was proud of it. I played volleyball for nine years. I had granted, I had practice every day and all this stuff, but I loved being like, I loved that my body could do the things it could do. I was a libero. So, and everyone doesn't know that in volleyball, it's like the one with the different colored Jersey. And I would be like diving on the floor, having to catch, like touch any ball, like get it up. Essentially. I was like the defensive person. And I remember being like, so happy and stuff that I could get these like new achievements. I could get a ball that was further than it ever was. And then, um, so I'd say that's when I kind of started noticing my body, I think in a positive light. And then when I went to college, I stopped, um, playing volleyball, but that was just cause college is college. It gets, uh, busy. And then, I think, and I joined a sorority, which I loved, and I met so many fantastic girls. I wouldn't trade it for the world, but I think there is a kind of, you know, everyone thinks when they think of sorority, they think of all these girls, all these pretty girls, all this makeup, all this, all this stuff. And I think being surrounded by that, I mean, there's going to be times when you might have like feel kind of insecure and want to compare your body. And so I think at the beginning of my, not even I'd say freshman year, because I joined it my freshman year, I'd probably say at the end of my freshman year was when I kind of was like, okay, I'm starting to become aware of things that I don't like and I want to change. So, mm. yeah. Can I ask, so you sort of mentioned comparing yourselves, comparing yourself to the girls around you. Was that really the catalyst for you having those thoughts or was there any other influences in your life at that point that made you kind of look at yourself and feel like you were not enough? Um, so I would say a specific moment I can like remember was like, again, it was a picture with a bunch of girls and we were all kind of like leaning towards the side, like our sides. It was like more of our side um body and I was mortified by my arms I use that word because I was like this click in my head that I was like I don't like that I look at myself compared to these other girls and I this needs to change and that was the moment I was like okay we're gonna we're gonna change something and now let's like start working out let's start eating healthcare I guess and what has a good kind of thought, I guess people would say, because no one's going to say, oh, working out's bad. It became obsessive and um, like over the top with that yeah. for yeah. like two years. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and I guess like a lot of these issues when it comes to body image issues always happens in our teen years. When we think about it, I guess like in our teen years, we have no idea who we are. So what we're trying to figure out is, okay, where do we fit in? How are we good enough? And it's really easy just to focus on the exterior because we have no idea what kind of person we are. We don't know what our, you know, what our gifts are, what our abilities are. We've got no confidence in that. And so the majority of our confidence is always going to lie in, oh, are we going to be acceptable? Do we look the way that we think we should look? 
in comparison to others. And it's sort of like this hyper-focus that we have, unfortunately. And so easy, isn't it, to fall into this unhealthy relationship with exercise where it can start off somewhat innocently. You're wanting to, you know, get healthier, get fitter. And then before you know it, it's becoming this thing that you are completely reliant on and falsely believe that it's going to make you happier, but also change your body and control your weight, which it actually doesn't. So I want to hear about that. So what did your relationship with exercise actually look like at that time? So during that time, I'd say I started to, I drastically cut calories. I mean, I couldn't even assume, I don't even know how much I was eating, but I mean, I was definitely getting down to probably less than 1200 calories. At one point I had downloaded a bunch of apps, had gotten the Apple watch, I was counting my, like, if I felt that I didn't hit enough steps in a day, I was like walking in circles around my room, trying to hit that. Um, I was constantly putting in numbers to be like, oh, yeah, you're in this much of a deficit, you're in this much just to, um, like, say I had that. And because again, I think I'm a very, like, kind of, I don't want to say, like calculated, but I like numbers, I like seeing all that stuff. So to me, it became like, this over obsession. Like I love, I was like at the time in my head, I was like, I love this. I'm getting so many compliments from girls. Like I'm also a people pleaser. And so it just drove me to, I was running, oh gosh, like five, at least five miles a day. Like it was, I was like only doing cardio. I was afraid to bulk and gain weight. I was afraid to like do dumbbells that were heavier than like, 12 pounds because like in my mind I was like that's gonna make my arms look bigger and that's gonna make like people aren't gonna like me as much which Mm -hmm. was just in my head like I look back on it now and I'm like how in the world did I think that like what but yeah so it was just can I just say something there Julia because like you're so similar to me because that's what I got into I got into running I was a maniac right just exercised like an absolute psychopath and was trying to eat as little as possible. And there was this false sense of security within that. Me being a people pleaser too, and I think a lot of listeners will resonate with that because a lot of women actually are. And I I don't want to be sexist, but it is. It's a part of our nature where we do just want people to like us and we don't want to upset anyone. So what I think is really interesting is what is the motivation behind that? So you know, if you have someone that looks at that situation logically and goes, well, here's like Julia, this like beautiful young woman, healthy, why on earth does she feel the need to absolutely destroy her body, unable to relax even in the evenings when she hasn't felt like she has hit her steps? Like there is something much, much deeper to that. So where do you feel, like what do you feel that was? What was your underlying motivator as to why you were having all of these toxic relationships with exercise and with nutrition as well? So I think with that, I would say that like, yes, like I like, again, exterior, lots of people that made me feel good, but there was this motivation that like, I wasn't my best self. Like in my mind, I was like the lowest weight I get is the best like version of me, which is completely false in every way. And so I think for me, 
I was constantly like pushing myself. Like I'm always pushing myself in better, healthier ways and academics or whatever thing. But I think there was always something that I was like, "Mm, I can get a little bit lower on the scale. Mm, I can do this. And so I think that was like a sense of like, I hadn't reached my goal. And so I think that for me, along with like the reassurance from other people was what really like drove me to like continually, Mm -hmm. like I would go step on the scale like three times a day. Mm -hmm. Like it was crazy. It was crazy. So yeah, I think for me too, like a lot of positive aspects that I could say kind of just immediately turned negative. Yeah. So it sort of sounds like you felt like in order to achieve your goals, because you are an achiever that if you don't, you're not good enough. And so what you're doing is you've set yourself this goal, plus you're throwing in the fact that people are rewarding you. Oh, great. You're doing a really good job. Okay. Well, this is the validation that I'm getting. Therefore, when I'm this person, when I look this way, people like me. And then what happens if I'm not that? Like, what happens if I'm not that person? What does that make me? Does it make me a failure? Because I haven't achieved that goal. Does it make me unlovable because people don't see me anymore? And I think that's really those underlying issues that we need to deal with before these external issues can actually be dealt with because they're so surface level. These actions are so surface level and there's always something much deeper. And and fixing those deeper issues takes some work and some time, right? It doesn't happen overnight. So I'd love to now, okay, so you've been in this really toxic relationship with exercise and with food then kind of what happens, I guess, from that point to reaching out to GirlFit Method, what did that process look like? So it was actually kind of one of the, it was a realization for me, I think, that I definitely needed help in because I was definitely in denial about my toxic relationship. I had told people I was running half marathons to just like get people to like not like be on me so much. And I studied abroad and I came back and I remember like taking, like we were doing something where we were like at a swimming pool with my sorority and I like, we're taking photos and we look and some girl that I like, don't even know that well. So like, I don't know why I even cared, but again, people pleasing. She goes, Oh my God, you look so great. Like, wow. And I was like, thanks. I go and look at the photo and like, you can just see my ribs. And I'm like, that is the time when I was like, in my head, I was like, okay, this is wrong. This is wrong. And this is where I need help. And so, um, I actually had to go through a few, um, like psychotherapists, um, that specialized in eating disorders and body dysmorphia, because again, I'm one of those people that, um, I kind of need like I don't want to say sternness, but I like a set plan. I like a set direction. I like those sort of things. So the whole consistently, oh, tell me how that really feels every time was just like, I'm like, okay, I feel like I'm not getting anywhere with this yeah. as much. Um, yeah. And I was like, or then even if it was with another nutritionist, I saw at one point, she's like, you need to stop working out in general. And I'm like, okay, I love working out. So I was like, I can't take away that and then not freak out about consuming a lot more food like that's mm. just not much. like the balance for me yeah and so I was just like you're taking away one you're giving I don't know um but then I saw girl fit method and I was like this looks exactly 
like what I need, like the perfect balance of everything that I need of direction. I'm increasing food. I'm not working out as much, but it's not like zero to a hundred immediately. And so, yeah, then I found your page on Instagram and TikTok. And I was like, I need to do this. Love it. It's uh, I totally agree with you because when you're coming from such an extreme to go to the opposite extreme is almost so overwhelming that you can't even fathom doing it. And so what can happen is, is you just stay in this really unhappy place, trying to kind of make small changes yourself, not getting absolutely anywhere. And the beautiful thing is, is that, you know, Obviously, if someone has a diagnosed eating disorder, we have them and they're currently within that, we have them working with a therapist. So that's kind of a different, um, that's a different situation. If someone is working towards healing their relationship with food, we can take a more staggered approach. And I think from what we have found, that has been the most successful because if you can chew off little bite-sized um tasks I suppose or challenges I guess the way that we like to put it to actually think about hey these behaviors that I'm having let's just use exercises as an example and slowly decreasing your exercise whilst also educating you on actually you don't need to be doing that much exercise in fact when you are doing all of this exercise it's actually being counterproductive to what your end goal is and you kind of think oh okay well let's try this out Let's make a really small step in, I don't know, decreasing the amount of kilometers I run. And then you can see, oh, like my worst nightmare of me gaining all of this weight actually hasn't happened. You gain confidence in that and then it's the next thing and then it's the next thing. And I remember throughout your coaching, we set some little tasks in regards to including certain foods into your diet that you had felt previously were bad, you know, like quote unquote bad and made you feel anxious and exposing you to those foods. And what just makes my heart so happy is like just the transformation mentally for you and the freedom you felt through that was just like phenomenal. Oh my gosh. Yes. I, it was incredible. I know. I think we talked about the cookie dough Um, when I can eat (laughs) cookie dough bites in a movie theater. And then I like looked down and I was like, normally I could go through like a whole binging and then just end up feeling guilty. And I remember sitting there and halfway through the movie ended and I still had half of my um, box left. And I was like, mouth wide open. I was like, this, I don't think has happened in like four or five years. I was like, this is amazing. I felt satisfied. And then I felt but I just felt good. I was so happy. I think I even like texted my mom after I was like, Oh my gosh, mom, you'll never believe what just happened. She was through the moon. Yeah. Well, because that's just such a clear indication that you're in control of your own decisions and food is not controlling your life. And your fear of not being enough is actually not controlling your life. And this is how it impacts positively on all different aspects. And the freedom that comes from that is amazing because life shouldn't be about constantly thinking about food and not allowing yourself to experience things like that. It should be the opposite. We should be living our life and food sort of just fits in, right? It doesn't control it. And once you get to that point and you recognize it, you think, my goodness, like this is incredible. I remember having some really similar situations where I would think, wow, I never would have been able to eat 
this kind of food in a normal portion. What would happen is I would eat some, then I would feel super guilty. Then I think, oh my goodness, I've ruined all of my progress. I may as well just go and eat, you know, the whole thing. And then the guilt and shame you would feel after that was just horrendous. And then it's like, you wake up the next morning. Okay, well, what's the plan now? I've just ruined everything. Better go back to never, ever eating that food again. It's just this horrid, vicious cycle where when you can actually learn that every food has its place. And in fact, when we learn the science about how our body works, we know that there is no food that we need to demonize. And in fact, once you have that education and you allow yourself to eat those foods, you actually you actually don't crave them as much. Have you found that? Yes, I have found that um, actually a lot. Because again, I used to think I had the worst sweet tooth ever because I refuse to have sweets. And then as I started letting myself have them, I noticed nights where I'd be like, Hmm, I don't need that. I don't, I don't feel like I need that. Like tonight, like that's okay. Like, so then maybe tomorrow I'll have it. And that has been like, those are just like little things I noticed. And specifically too, I noticed when I was reintroducing like peanut butter and nut butter that I was able, I think because I, you said I was depriving myself of a lot of like the healthy fats that I could start to focus more. I was amazing. And going through the nursing school stuff, I'd be like, this is so difficult. I feel like my mind's in a million directions. But then as we slowly started introducing that food, I could like vividly remember me in the study room being like, wait, I remember that the first time I read it, not the 10th time I read it. So You're not walking around with this foggy brain trying to just get through the day. Yeah, it impacts so much of our life. And I always say, actually, once you start to eat more, you start to think better because when you're depriving yourself for such a long period of time, and we know this through when someone does go into a calorie deficit, there needs to be an end date to that because of the negative implications it has on your physical health but also psychological. Now, if you've been under eating for years, that is going to impact so many different aspects of your life. And so once you actually start to feel your body better, you start realizing, oh, I can think about things more logically. I don't have so much fear around food. I can actually sit back and go, oh, well, I can eat this. I can increase my calories without this irrational fear of uh, it being the worst thing you could possibly ever do. Um, So I'm so, so happy to hear that. That's incredible. So let's just quickly chat about where you're at now. Like what has that transformation looked like and how have things changed in your life in a positive aspect? So I think in my, like everything for me has just, I've been less anxious. I've noticed that consistently. I've worked on kind of minimizing, I think that people pleasing to pleasing myself more. And I mean, that includes like, I'm taking my rest days, I'm doing my yoga, I'm doing I started doing Pilates, like I think I've cut down the running like, maybe an occasional jog, I'll take my like, I'll take my dog on a jog. And but I, my life isn't consumed by food and exercise. And I go out to restaurants with my friends and I get a margarita. Like it's, and I'm not freaking out that I didn't get the skinny version that tastes a lot worse. You know, (laughs) like I, um, 
I'm able to say yes to things to do with my friends that I think I would have literally had like a mental breakdown before going, or I would have been like, oh, I need to run nine miles if I'm going out to dinner. Um, and I think I've just, I think people have noticed it too with myself. They've seen me happier. And I think like not nearly as tired, not nearly as cold all the time. I was like always needing a blanket. Um, I noticed I got my curls back in my hair, which is like the greatest thing ever. I loved my hair back in high school. And then when I started chronically dieting, it got super, super thin, um, really, and just kind of straighter. And now I like started to notice it as after I get out of the shower and I'm like, those are the things that are just like little small things that I realized from like my old self that I missed yeah. so much before my bad relationship that I've been getting back. So I have been to you. Much happier. Back to yes. you. Yeah. I found yourself again. And I also just want to make a note that with you, we didn't do any calorie counting, by the way, we didn't do any yeah. of that. We just had a look at, we used a food diary, we used photos of foods and we also didn't want you weighing yourself at all. So you can absolutely still work on this without you having to neurotically track your calories. And actually it's probably going to be detrimental if you do do that. And it can just be like, do you know what? All that's going to do is potentially trigger. It's going to get you hyper-focused on what you are actually eating. Let's take that away. Let's educate you. Let's have a look at what we're consuming right now and make improvements that way. I just wanted to make that little note because as you would know, you were quite hesitant coming in because you knew you didn't want a calorie count. And we have lots of girls that we work with and it's just not necessary, right? Right. Yeah. That was, I think my biggest, again, like at first I was like, okay, I do not want to spiral back into it with the consistently, um, for me again, personally, just cause that's how it started was the calorie counting and all of that stuff. But again, like with girl fit method, I think it was the perfect amount of like structure I needed that it wasn't calorie counting. It wasn't weighing that, but I still felt I had the guidance like that I needed to like become healthier and get that better relationship with food, which was so great. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, look, you just did an incredible job. You are such a light and you've just got this incredible energy about you. You are a hard worker. I have to say you're one of the hardest workers I know, and you just get stuff done. Like you, you dove straight in and I'm so proud of you for that because I know it's not easy. It's terrifying. But imagine if you had never taken that step of faith and actually gone, do you know what? I need to get better. You'd be back where you were. And that would just be so sad where you're standing here or sitting here now, (laughs) just glowing and happy and achieving and living your life. So super proud of you. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. I can't even imagine where I would still be. I don't even think I would have gotten through the end of nursing school had it been for a girl fit method because I genuinely was so like consumed by it that it that's like I felt like it took over my life and so I owe that to you guys too uh, I think I think we are the dream team bit of both and yeah. uh, you found freedom now and that's an incredible place to be so thank you so much for sharing your story
Thank you so much, Julia, for being so open and vulnerable and sharing your story. Your transformation has been absolutely incredible. And I just really hope that anyone listening today that's feeling really stuck in the position that they're in, I want you to know your life will not be like this forever. This is a season in your life and I can just really encourage you to reach out for help because sometimes when we are left alone with our thoughts, we just don't have the ability to pull ourselves out of the position that we're in. But Having those around you to be able to support you or having some kind of form of accountability is really, really priceless. All right, let's move on to this listener question. So today's question is from Dara, and I hope I've pronounced your name correctly. Your Instagram handle is, oh, D, oh gosh, D-P-A-R-I-K, D-P-R-A-K with a H. 19. I'm not going to try to pronounce that. I'm so sorry. Okay. Your question is when you go into a calorie deficit for fat loss and then you bring your calories back up, do you gain back the fat or how does it work? Very, very good question. So when you come out of a calorie deficit, you are usually lighter. So you're a lighter human, which means that going straight back up to your old maintenance calories is not a great idea because your maintenance calories are also determined by your weight right? So they are going to be lower. So you really want to make sure you keep that as a big factor in figuring out where your new maintenance calories are. Now, you can absolutely do a reverse diet out of a calorie deficit, but I would actually recommend going back up to your new maintenance calories straight away. Now, a really great way to kind of do this is be a little bit more conservative. So what I would do, let's just say that your maintenance calories before your fat loss phase was 2000. I'd probably jump them straight up to like maybe 1700, 1800. Then I want you to monitor what happens with your progress pictures as well as your body measurements. And don't worry too much about scale because it will increase as you start to increase food, but that's not fat gain, right? So From there, if you're not gaining anything, then start to slowly increase. And then what you want to do is try to increase your calories as much as you possibly can while minimizing any kind of fat gain. And that is how you can then maintain your results out of a calorie deficit. And unfortunately, lots of girls don't know how to do that and they just stay eating low calories. um, And that's when they get themselves into a lot of trouble. That's a really great question. I actually get that question quite a bit. I hope that was helpful. If it was, guys, make sure to take a screenshot of this podcast episode, share it onto your stories. I've just been getting the most beautiful messages from you all. You've got no idea how happy that makes my heart. So please keep sending them through. Um, and if you haven't already, make sure to rate and review the podcast and also make sure you're following and you're subscribed. All right, guys, that is it from me. Big love, Coach Tash. Coach Tash.